I V M. Hi listeners, we at Aditya Birla Sun Life Mutual Fund have come up with a special podcast series called MF 101 in collaboration with Bloomberg Quint. MF 101 is an informative series that will help you understand the recipe behind mutual fund investments. And what's more, it's coming from the chefs of the mutual fund buffet table, from the very own fund managers and analysts who are the manufacturers of the funds that help you realize your investment goals. Hi, I'm Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and in this episode, we are going to discover the recipe behind our debt mutual funds for me from our guest chef, Mr. Manish Dangi, co-CIO debt Aditya Birla Sun Life Mutual Fund. Manish, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this for us. Let's start with this the entire concept of a debt mutual fund, right? Because Indians have a very long history of investing um in assets like physical assets like real estate and gold and a lot of us are still used to fixed deposits. But we know that debt mutual funds offer a completely new alternative to the fixed income side of investment. Let's start with that. You know, so what exactly are debt mutual funds? Who is it for? What kind of mindsets should an investor have when he's looking at investing in a debt mutual fund so uh, fixed income funds or uh, debt mutual funds as you say are uh, in terms of characteristic is uh, somewhat similar to uh, to what fixed deposits uh, would offer to uh, investors and uh, and indian middle class and 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 rich alike uh, for them uh, fixed deposits have been um, have been quite uh, popular for for good couple of uh, decades so to say and a very large percentage of their uh, investment in fixed deposits kind of even today uh, fixed income funds characteristic as a side is somewhat similar uh, these funds do tend to invest in um, various securities of banks uh, uh, nbfcs a uh, lot of manufacturing companies and and so and so forth so basically uh, we all invest in these companies for fixed tenor uh, say 3 month 6 month 1 year 2 year at a fixed uh interest rates so what we get in our portfolio is a, a certain rate in aggregate uh, at a certain frequency and which uh, you know finally we kind of deliver to to our investors sure there's this mindset that fixed income is for old timers you know for people who are retirees and stuff like that i'm pretty my guess is that the debt mutual fund or the fixed income market today is vibrant it has a lot of investment products across the board for a lot of investors what's your view on that let uh, you're right that you know the output of a fixed income fund is uh, is somewhat stable and which is why one could say that stayed and you know therefore it for old but anyone who is looking at uh, at uh, sort of uh, uh, fixed returns so to say over long periods of time you know is it's a right instrument for them and uh, people who want to venture out on one higher risk premia uh for them you know of course other riskier asset classes do exist like equity and real estate great so let's you know um if there were a few very distinctive factors between debt and equity right mm-hmm. investment whether it's in a mutual fund maybe maybe you can just walk our listeners through that what would these what would be the distinguishing characteristics between these two maybe volatility for example uh you know before that you know i i think the most important uh, thing between debt and equity is the claim and the similarity rather so the similarity is that you know fixed income or debt also has the same claim on the on the balance sheet that equity has it's just that it's ahead of equity so when i lend to a company and i invest in a company in equity uh the company whatever it earns 
first is supposed to kind of pay back to the debt and then whatever is the residual goes to uh, equity investor as dividend you know so so in a sense uh, in terms of hierarchy of your claim it is ahead of equity and therefore it becomes fixed and also becomes lot more certain which is why dividends are paid only after you paid interest absolutely sure absolutely okay. so that also gives lot of stability to it because you know uh, even if let's say company prospects are dim today um and it's not doing too well as long as it has money to kind of pay back uh, to the to the lenders of it you know the lenders would get their money back but equity may not get it and which is why the equity tends to be lot more volatile because it actually is capturing the residual cash flow sure. you know after having paid the fixed income or the fixed uh, lenders so to say so therefore uh, fixed income tends to be lot less volatile it's in the end you know what you're getting in fixed income Uh, even when as fund manager or you as investor directly investing in a fixed deposit of a company or a bank what you getting is a fixed rate uh, and uh, that's for a fixed term so if you stay invested uh, in that instrument for one year or two year you're going to get the same coupon let's say if you invest uh, in some company for 9.5% or 10% or two years if you stay put you know in that instrument for two years you're going to get 9.5 and 10% unless of course the credit risk materializes sure which brings you to the next logical question the credit risk right yeah. because this last year has been volatile what exactly you know um is your take on the current scenario the credit crisis and the instruments it affects loans against shares is volatility where do things stand here as of now so you're right that uh, uh, overall last one one and a half year have been somewhat troubling for uh, fixed income industry as such um in the mutual fund space because a lot of companies you know which were um triple a earlier uh, they were of good pedigree you know were promoted by good uh, promoters so to say uh, have have actually been struggling uh, for variety of reasons as such the macroeconomic environment for last two years has not been so great and uh, a lot of these companies had actually invested in uh, businesses which actually did not you know do too well and which is why the debt burden continued to go up and eventually there came a point you know let's say in the case of ILNFS that uh, because of tight liquidity they could not get um, you know money from uh, from markets and effectively you know they kind of defaulted so that led to uh, you know one after another you know, companies going through stress lot of nbfcs kind of began to you know see problems in terms of uh, rolling over debt and uh, therefore you know for last 7 8 months you know we had a full blown crisis so to say sure. in, in the credit space um having said that uh, a lot of these uh, companies uh, had actually built uh, good physical assets and uh, it's likely that uh, if overall macroeconomic environment stabilizes and liquidity improves most likely you know uh, investors would not lose money in these assets even in the case of ilnfs let's say because they're backed by you know hard assets and there is a reasonable value in it even after com- complete taking us out you know there is value for the equity investors and the promoters which is ilnfs in this case you know most probably investors would get you know, their money back and therefore at this stage it's uh, it's suffice to say that yes there's going to be there was there was a lot of volatility uh, in the markets and some of these companies struggled but uh, the prognosis for a lot of these companies is not so bad great you mentioned about the <clears throat> macro economic growth going forward and where we are so i think this is also now a, the next logical question is where do we go from here since that uh, 
the next few months we'll see few events on the political front uh, the gdp growth itself has been a little bit on the lower side interest rates i think the rbi has also shifted its stance and i know that the debt market uh, uh, looks at various indicators which are different from equity right it could be inflation could be iip could be gdp growth could be interest rates where do we go from here now on all these factors so on macro side you know basically you know what we beginning to see at least globally is that uh, that uh, you know the growth across many many developed countries is actually beginning to uh, slow down it all began in china but soon spread in what do you call it europe and uh, now us also is beginning to slow down and that's the reason central bankers have actually stepped back they have actually uh, turned lot more dovish than what they were about few months ago you know we were talking up the rates um inflation surprisingly worldwide has been somewhat absent uh, despite a uh, you know kind of uh, incessant growth that we've had over last three years you know the core inflation and general inflation has been missing so that's the global um, growth inflation outlook which is fairly benign uh, as far as um, as far as rates are concerned in india locally also you know we've had uh, a lot of policy induced volatility you know you had uh, demonetization in november 16 and then uh, gst came in um, even rbi's uh, rbi's policy uh, have been uh, very very volatile you know they actually were talking up rates just about few months ago and now of course you know uh, have, having realized that inflation has undershot their expectations and growth also has moderated you know they have begun to kind of talk down rates they've cut repo rates you know in the last policy so broadly the environment right now is from a growth standpoint is somewhat mixed india's consumption uh, piece is actually beginning to slow down and uh, while there are green shoots as far as capex is concerned it's it's very very early at this stage and in this environment um india indian corporates and indian macro needs assistance from uh, policy makers and this is what we are kind of beginning to witness uh, you are seeing um, as i said you know rate easing and a general loosening of financial conditions as, um, from rbi i think that would continue for next couple of quarters and uh, and you know we would have relatively loose financial conditions uh, uh, frankly both debt and equity you know thrive in looser financial conditions uh, because you know in the broadly india's growth outlook never deteriorates significantly we are a vibrant economy uh, and and poor also you know so therefore we are far away from frontier and you know we can easily grow at 6 7% and if we kind of uh, pump a little bit of a loosening uh, either in fiscal or monetary side you know we can actually touch 8% as well so given that the current macro is not so great and the financial markets thrive on loosening and that's kind of coming their way it's likely that uh, the the prognosis for growth for for long term is very good while in the short run you know we'll see some hiccups coming in great so that you know um i'm if i'm a debt mutual fund investor i'm looking at i just heard what you said which is that we're looking at a loosening cycle we are probably at maybe you know the worst of the crisis might be over might not be over i don't know uh we've got you know so in this kind of a scenario what should i as an investor do how should i deal with so many moving parts going forward so you know the good news for you is that you know the fund managers are going to do this job for you you know our funds or you know other funds you know which which kind of do a reasonable job in actually ensuring that uh, 
you get returns aligned with what you expected and your risk appetite is. So broadly in fixed income, uh, you have uh, two sets of fund. You know, one is treasury oriented and these are uh, the funds which do not take excessive uh, interest rate risk. Um, they don't even take uh, excessive credit risk. Your money is, uh, you know, generally safe in ins- instruments or these funds. And they tend to deliver a reasonable 2-3% delta over inflation. Now, in the end, you know, you must know that uh, the job of fixed income is to beat inflation, mm. you know. The good news is that now you know about mutual funds, uh, that especially the treasury-oriented funds, you know, which do not take credit risk and duration risk substantially. Uh, these funds do tend to invest, do tend to earn about you know two three percent real returns as far as uh, versus inflation is concerned. Sure. What kind of funds are these? These are corporate bond funds, you know, banking funds, all sorts of short funds. Also, you know, the, for the investment horizon of less than three months, six months, also we have funds like liquid fund, ultra short term fund, money sure. market funds. So, you know, you must dial uh, your advisor, ask him that, you know, if I have, you know, money which is to be invested where I'm not looking at, you know, too much of a risk taking and I just want 2-3% excess return over inflation, they'll actually orient you towards treasury funds. In fixed income, you also have growth-oriented funds, you know. There, the return profile is uh, somewhat closer to equity, you know, in a sense that it it kind of starts to venture in uh, some risk, you know, be it duration risk or credit risk. So these funds are like dynamic bond funds, credit risk fund, medium term plans, and so on and so forth. These funds, you know, earn about uh, two, two and a half percent extra return over treasury oriented fund by actually dipping into uh, some bit of a credit risk in portfolio. And these are the funds, you know, where you tend to have, you know, some accidents once in a while. But over a long period of time, you know, these would actually turn you, uh, you know, better profile of returns. Okay. Um, So basically what you need to do now is to figure out, uh, you know, what kind of uh, returns you're looking at. If you're looking at uh, just beating inflation by 2-3% and uh, you want to mimic a behavior of uh, fixed deposit, then you must venture into treasury-oriented fund. And if you're looking at some growth and extra return, then you must venture into you know, credit risk fund or dynamic bond fund. Okay. So the two takeaways there that I can see very clearly are the fact that one is that you need to speak to a financial advisor about any decision that you're going to make. And second is that you need to get your asset allocation right. You should be aware of the risk and the returns that you're willing to take. Am I right? In absolutely. That? absolutely. Right. And on that positive note, we wrap up this episode of MF101. My guest was Manish Tangi, co-chief investment officer, uh, and he, he heads a fixed income team at Aditya Birla Sunlay Mutual Fund. Manish, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. For more such interesting know-hows, continue listening to our podcast, MF101, or simply follow the blog page of Aditya Birla Sunlay Mutual Fund, Bloomberg Quint, IBM Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any queries or some specific subject you want us to talk about with regards to mutual fund investment, Reach out to us on our Twitter handle at the rate A-B-C-A-B-S-L-M-F. That's at the rate A-B-C-A-B-S-L-M-F. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Mutual fund investments are subject to market risks. Read all scheme-related documents carefully. The views and opinions expressed herein are personal and do not necessarily reflect the views of Aditya Birla Sun Life AMC Limited. That's A-B-S-L-A-M-C, Aditya Birla Sun Life Mutual Fund, The Fund. ABSL AMC, the fund, is not guaranteeing, offering, communicating any indicative yield or returns on investments. Hey everybody, we have a brand new podcast series by Bloomberg Quint called BQ Conversations. 
which covers a range of topics like business strategies, latest trends in technology such as cybersecurity and artificial intelligence, and also personal finance. Episodes are out on the IVM Podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Advertising is dead. Yep, you heard me right. Advertising is dead. We're all in the content business now. Let's not call it news, TV, radio, etc., etc. It's all content, and we're in the middle of this weirdly exciting phase where all the borders and lines that have been drawn over decades has been swept away by this lovely thing called the internet. We're a show where we don't dwell on just the stuff that is now, but rather the wider stuff about advertising, media, content, and the whole goddamn circus surrounding it. Tune in every Tuesday for our weekly unboxing of the mystery box we used to call advertising. I'm Varun Dugirala, co-founder and content chief at The Glitch, and this is my new podcast, Advertising is Dead. Advertising is Dead.